When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Forever Dog Hi everybody I'm Andrew Farmer. I'm Anna Dresden, and, and this, this is, is Scary Stories to Tell on the Pod. It's a podcast about the scary stories to tell in the dark books, uh, collected by Alvin Schwartz and, and drawings by Stephen Gamble. Yeah, there was. I mean, I, I say drawings because I feel like those are such an iconic part of those books. You gotta. You probably recognize them. Um, whether you were like a kid in the eighties or nineties, uh, either you were given them as a gift from a weird aunt or uncle. Maybe you found it at a book sale uh, and like your parents weren't thrilled. A scholastic but, book yes. fair. Yeah. If there was like metal bookcases in the lobby of your elementary school and you remembered to bring $7, <laughs> you I could know. scare the absolute life out of yourself. Your mom hoped you'd buy an I spy book about, or like a, like a Miss Frizzle book about like the ocean. Yeah, or like a novel about well-behaved girls who like <laughs> discover a map and then they just stay inside. <laughs> <laughs> um, but whatever your introduction to Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, it really was a, um, a literary touchstone that scarred multiple generations, I feel. Yeah, I think I have a lot of um, habits now that I do that are that make me feel worse, whether it's like – staring at the internet mm -hmm. or like reading comments, um, taking long baths in the early afternoon, just like things that I know aren't necessarily the best thing for me, but I do them anyway. I think I learned that from these books because I would <laughs> look at them and then be so scared out of my mind that I couldn't sleep. Yeah. Now, like this is, I just feel like this is always a great introductory question for anyone in talking about these books. Is like, what was your first experience with scary stories to tell in the dark, Anna? Um, well, my memory isn't as good as yours, Andrew. You remember <laughs> specific wrong with me. improv scenes from 12 years ago. So as you can imagine, I'm the most fun person to be around. No, it's good. Yeah, you keep <laughs> track of things. I think I've destroyed my brain. <laughs> I don't have one anymore. <laughs> I've used it. It's gone. But I do remember having it as like an eight or ten year old. I believe it was purchased from a Scholastic book fair. Great. Um, yeah, and I specifically would turn to page nineteen in the first book, which is the scariest drawing I've seen to this oh, day. My it's God. just of a woman whose face is falling off, and yeah. I would stare at it and feel bad, and then I put <laughs> it away, and then I'd like I do a thing where I'd flip through the book like a flip book, yeah. and then I land on it, oh, and then. God. Or just try to look at it for a second. <laughs> yeah, that I even now, like I just I just like ordered the the series on Amazon again because over time all my books I I read them so many times they fell apart or like got lost <laughs> during various moves. Um, but even now, like 
each page I turn is a building sense of dread towards that picture you're talking about, which is just a horrific skull. Oh, yeah. I can look at it now. Sorry. I also have my dog Ladybird here, um, (laughs) who's a podcast dog. That's what breed she is. Yeah. Ladybird really represents the id of this podcast, which is just swelling anxiety, but also an excitement to be here. Excitement to be here. uh, Swirling dread uh, from the corner. (laughs) Shaking. Back feet slowly floating off the ground because her body doesn't make sense. She's the best dog. She's really good. Um, And you'll hear her on this podcast because I missed my window for partnership uh, with people. (laughs) And now I'm just going to sort of have dogs forever, I think. (laughs) So get used to my dog. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. You show me a baby that wears, like, a floral collar better than Lady Bird does. Oh, my God. If you put a collar on your baby, you'd have to go to jail, I think. (laughs) What was your experience with the book? Um, I So I'm the youngest of four boys. And so I think I think they had gotten the books from my uncle Bob, who would always bring a scary thing. Ever that sounds much more <laughs> ominous than it is. He would bring like scary toys for Zabone us, bone yeah. boys. <laughs> um, but we loved it. He'd bring us like monster toys, or he. When I was like a very little kid, he brought me like a three foot tall skeleton, which was the size of my body at the oh. time. And I remember three when three feet is tall. Yeah, that's, that's a, a my size Barbie. Exactly of a skeleton. And um, when like, like I I remember once I broke my leg and my parents took me to the hospital and they said I could bring one stuffed animal and I brought the life size skeleton. God damn it! Which I'm sure must Farmer. have been a really chilling image for everyone to see <laughs> a child in a hospital bed next to a skeleton. It's insane that you didn't become an arsonist. That's true. I mean, there's still time. <laughs> um, <laughs> Late blooming arsonist Andrew Farmer is celebrated. Oh, I'm gonna have to put a new tab on my website. Oh my um, uh, it's like the thing you're really good at that people pay you to do, but you're trying to downplay because you really want to be an actor. No, yeah, it's it just. I mean, I, I can do it, but um, it's I, not my focus. Right, I'm trying to do more. Uh, I'm trying to do more character work. Oh my god, you're the arsonist. <gasps> yes, I have been known to do some. <laughs> So Arson, Arson's last theater artist. Oh my um, god! But yeah, they so they would read these books to me, and also before I could read, I would just um, look at the pictures and kind of divine what the stories could possibly be about, which is a dangerous road to go down because some of the illustrations are pure, like feverish nightmare, very kind of dadaistic, loose relationship to the story in and of itself. Um, and in a way, like it's surprising to go back and read these stories because, uh, sometimes I will have a memory of what a story will be about and it'll be this like sweeping epic, but instead it'll be like a third of a page, like with almost zero detail, just like a girl was walking in her home. Which is, I, I mean, that didn't happen. That would She's be a very going for a journey inside right, her house. Right. I mean, that is basically the um, sentence texture of these stories. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of nouns and adjectives. Yeah, it's it's like if you sneezed on a charcoal drawing, and then sent it to a place where there was a, a like a nuclear disaster. Yeah, and then like took words from like a. a like an intermediate beginner English language class and then made a story out of it. Yes. And the artist we forgot to mention was like raised by wolves and has never seen another human being before. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Um, Uh, But we should talk about these drawings a little bit because they're by far, I mean, they outshine. So Stephen Gamble's name is a little bit smaller and less bold than Alvin Schwartz's on this uh, cover of the mm-hmm. book, which I do imagine was a lot of like really mean phone calls between agents, like oh, gosh. getting that balance right. But um, the, these books are 
really the the drawings outshine the yeah stories. And, and I think I kind of admire like so. Alvin Schwartz is a folklorist and mm-hmm. has a bunch of other books that are sort of about like um, American folklore, you know, dating back to. 1700s practically um, and these these books are focused on like scary stories and I think like it's interesting for him that he has given like almost no artistic license in writing these stories or in fleshing them out. Yeah. Um, it all is like very bare bones and maybe that's because these are stories to tell you know and not necessarily to, to read. Yeah. They're um, to tell in the dark. They're not to read in the dark. Know, which is difficult to do. You have to tell it without reading it, which honestly is impossible. <laughs> I've tried and I my toes cramped up right away. Um, I will say that I uh, I have very fond memories of these books. And actually these are like – it's it's really jarring to think about how many of my friendships are based on a mutual love of these books. <laughs> You're I looking mean, at it. I think – yeah. I think ours. <laughs> I will say – so Anna and I met at in theater school. Whoops. Uh-oh. Uh, <laughs> our freshman year at, at New York University, Playwrights Horizons Theater School. And I will say like a moment – I don't think we'd ever talked about scary stories to tell in the dark. But there was a moment where I was like – this person's going to be a very important part of my life. Um, and it was uh, – we had a class on Halloween where we had to bring in a monologue. Oh, and no. Anna, you did – This was the first monologue we had brought in. It was – Anna did Miranda Richardson's monologue from Sleepy Hollow. Correct. <laughs> the Tim Burton movie from 1999. Yes. Where, where it's – if you haven't seen it, spoiler – um, uh, there is a, a witch played by Miranda Richardson who at the very end of the movie kind of does like a whole explanation of her whole motive. Yeah. Um, and I just remember watching that. Everyone else had done like a monologue from like Top Girls. Night Mother. Yeah. yeah. And then Anna did that monologue and I, I really. Which was 97% exposition. <laughs> and it was a woman who was uh, 35 years my senior, I guess the character was. <laughs> Um, and my, our teacher, Teresa McCarthy, who's yep. fantastic. Uh, and a divine musical theater actress. A perfect angel that the earth doesn't deserve. But <laughs> she, uh, was so kind and delicate with me. And like any other theater school should have been like, you are a born and bred stage manager. You need to stop <laughs> trying to act. But what she said instead was, um, you know, I think we can find a piece that's a little closer to Anna, which is so sweet because she easily could have just taken my face in her hands and explained why I was wrong and oh man, everything See, I have ever known was wrong. And why I know that I would be a bad acting teacher is that if I was teaching that class, I would have been like, this is how you do a monologue. Like everyone pick everyone pick a monologue from Sleepy Hollow yeah, um, and we're doing it. This is what acting is. Um, We're performing CVS receipts. (laughs) But I think in that moment, Anna, I was like, for sure, this is this is someone who grew up with scary stories still in the dark. Oh, yeah. Um, I remember at some point you drawing a poster for our improv group's um, Halloween show or like our first show was the 20th of October. I think of it every day. (laughs) Oh, my God. Uh, Or every 20th of October. I'm like, oh, it was so exciting to like say seven words and then go drink beer in someone's house and <laughs> learn what a butt plug is. Oh, wow. Um, that's true. Yeah. That it was, was a very exciting I night. Yeah. I didn't use it. It just was shown to me. For sure. Um, it came out of the dishwasher. <laughs> that's right. In fact, <laughs> and now if you search one in 10 homes, there'll be a butt plug in the dishwasher. And that's actually canon. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I do remember you drawing the posters for our uh, improv group and That's I was like right. and it, it was some kind of spooky situation yeah I'm sure it was some sort of ghoulish thing that would not that would not exactly scream like tonight I'm gonna laugh yeah you know 
Um, but Andrew and I were both cast selected yeah. for the improv team Illust- freshman year. Illustrious group of comedians. Really important. And um, two of them are fathers. Three. Three of them are fathers. Yeah. That's nuts. Which is kind of cool. Yeah. Because um, um, I just bought $70 worth of bath bombs <laughs> and uh, everything's fine. But I, I did remember my literally my first thought, I saw you at like an orientation. Mm-hmm. That was before classes started and oh. you smiled at me and genuinely my first knee jerk thought was, fuck, this person is going to be my best friend and I'm just not ready to like, <laughs> I just, I was like, I know this person's going to be important to me and I just don't want to. Oh, you know, it's. It was like, he's friendly and I'm here to like learn how to smoke hookah. Right. And like, I this think that's person is wearing be, things exclusively from the gap, which is still the case. I just knew that we were like, um gonna be like two little bread and butter pickle slices yeah. together and I wanted to be a dumb whore and like <laughs> you understand I was like no oh. this person's gonna remind me who I am and I don't want to be who I am I want to be like have hookah preferences and not be afraid of elevators like, oh wow um, Anna but- <laughs> you're you're being far too generous to me in that um, I remember I remember meeting you and I remember you had like a very bold lip color yeah and I was like this is the coolest person I've ever seen. Um, and then you were very funny. Uh, and also you had this like shared respect for like creepy things that like if if you were if we were to open a conversation with someone and be like, um, like have you read scary stories tell in the dark, you'd be like, ew no. Like I want to talk about my super ex-girlfriend, which was a movie that came out the summer we started school. Is that true? I yeah. Wow. I don't know. I don't know that that's I maybe I'm being unfair. Everyone to other wanted to talk about that. Everyone wanted to talk about it. It was a big year for it was Isla a Fisher. Huge year. Um but yeah, so so like I feel like maybe you're listening to this and you uh have not expressed before uh your your love of this book or terror of this book, or maybe we're like like dredging up terrible memories uh, that, again, have scarred you irreparably. Yeah. Um, and we want to help take you through that in a way that's like fun and light and deeply troubling. Hi, everybody. Tim Heidecker here with huge news. We have a terrific episode of Office Hours Live prepared for you. We had the great stand-up comedian Kyle Kinane come in and a very special in-studio music session from legendary Emdu Mokhtar. You're not going to want to miss this one. You can find it on your podcast app of choice by going to Sears or Macy's and getting an iPod and then coming home, charging it up, and listening through your app. Yeah, well, pain is the touchstone for spiritual growth. So, like, <laughs> either you'll like this podcast or you'll grow spiritually. Well, something that I – in looking this up, which then I was like, oh, of course, that's right. Um, these books are have always been, like, in the past 35 years at the top of the banned books list in public yes. schools and libraries. Um, which I remember, I was like, it's funny that I never got these books from my Catholic school library uh, or our local library. But I think it's because they had to have been banned and not because there was much violence in them and not because there's like violent depictions in the illustrations. I think it is like truly the like bone chilling, um, uh, unhinged way in which like it's it's like the thrilling combination of real bare bones story and like – uh, um, 
outrageously scary images that that make the story so much scarier. It's like wearing high heels with pajamas. It like <laughs> they don't go together and they shouldn't. Yeah, and, and you're intrigued, yeah. and also this person could harm me if I saw that. This person is close to death. Yeah, either theirs or mine. <laughs> um, and these drawings uh, just. Uh, they are, yeah, it is very charcoal drawing. Um, everything has a lot of roots. Mm-hmm. Everything is dripping either blood or soil. Or, or like a lot of like kind of booger stuff. Like I feel like there's a lot of like dripping from noses. Yes. A lot of dripping from noses. Everyone's white. Um, there's a lot of trees and like a lot of like pig tail things coming off of things. And, and I, I have this, I have this. I we should I should have done some research. I wonder if Stephen Gamble is from the Midwest because when I when my husband and I moved from New York, California, we drove across the country and there was like a 400-mile stretch of America that looks like a scary story is told in the dark painting where it's like all dead brush trees like with like dangling vines and like a solitary ramshackle house like way in the distance and like rusting farm equipment. And Fuck. I was like, oh, this is it. Like like this illustrator did not come from like Rhode Island. You know what I mean? Oh, we're getting a note. Up, uh, he's from Des Moines. <gasps> Des, Moines. Des Moines, Iowa? Is- Iowa keeps coming up. Wow. Jeez. Wow. Also, can I just say it's very cool to have to have a producer who could just look up something as we're talking. It's our wonderful producer. From HPA, hot producer Alec. <laughs> woo woo woo. Um Des Moines. Yeah, that actually totally checks out. And I think there is something and maybe this is like an element of uh of what is so scary about these stories to us in particular. Anne and I are both from the East Coast. Um there's something like like Huge bodies of water don't exist in the scary stories tell in the dark. Yeah, pretty uh, landlocked. Right. It's a pretty it's a pretty landlocked tome. Um and and I wonder if there's like some degree of like city person anxiety about r- like ruralness. Oh, <laughs> no? that's a really good point. Like all of this is all all pretty much all these stories, except for like one section where it's like truly stories about the city. Um Yeah, but it's like they those are um like ancient Sumerian folktale, right. like that one oh about like God. the appointment in the city. Yes, That's like yes. truly from the Fertile Crescent era of <laughs> humanity. <laughs> um, so before we kick off into the stories, um, we're, we're going to start with the first one, which is Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark One. Um, so this is the foreword. And it says strange and scary things. And it appears to be um, like a falcon with human feet and horns carrying a human skull. Great. Great. And it's dripping, predictably. Oh, always. Pioneers used to entertain themselves by telling scary stories. At night, they might gather at somebody's cabin or around a fire and see who could scare the others most. That kind of fits into this rural thing we're talking about. I feel like there's no way to verify that. (laughs) That's true. I feel like all those people were illiterate. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, you want to come over? We're, We're telling some scary stories. Yeah. Well, it is the oral tradition, but I just feel like they wouldn't write down, like, today us pioneers told stories in the cabin. Um, okay. okay. Some girls and boys in my town do the same thing today. Okay. Mm-hmm. They get together at somebody's house and they turn out the lights and eat popcorn and scare one another half to death. It's pretty smartphones. I know. Children I, don't talk anymore. I don't know if that ever really did happen, but if it did, like in my head, that's what I imagined would be fun to do. But then the reality of getting my friends together and being like, now I'm turning off the lights. I hope you all like popcorn. We're all telling scary stories. I feel like there would be an outright rebellion. Yeah, it would be like we're going to turn off the lights, eat popcorn, watch 
28 days later, and then my friend who is getting fingered is going to get fingered. <laughs> and I'm going to feel like we're staying on opposite sides of an impact, like a full crevasse. Yeah. Or just instead of picking a movie, we'll just watch two and a half hours of fail vids on YouTube. Oh. <laughs> Telling scary stories is something people have done for thousands of years. For most of us, like being scared in that way. Since there isn't any danger, we think it is fun. I noticed that there are no contractions that he's using, and that weirds me out. Yeah. It also reminds me of a Haggadah, like for anyone who's Jewish. It just like <laughs> sounds like the Passover Seder. <laughs> oh, are they, I, And the bread was flat because it did not have time to leaven. Like it's the same. The bread was flat and there was a hook dangling from it. <laughs> and everyone was like, huh? And then you turn to your friend and go, ah. <laughs> um, there are a great many scary stories to tell. There are ghost stories. There are tales of witches, devils, boogeymen, zombies, and vampires. There are tales of monstrous creatures and of other dangers. There are even stories that make us laugh at all this scariness. <laughs> it worked. This is before uh, Trump. <laughs> <laughs> Laughing at all the scariness. Yeah, still I'm so, yeah. Imagine a time when you were so hungry to be scared that you had to, to, you had to find it in a book. Oh, yeah. Wow. I'm jealous of the past. Um, some of these tales are very old and they are told around the world and most have the same origins. They are based on things that people saw or heard or experienced or thought they did. Let's not put a judgment on okay. them, Alvin. Many years ago, a young prince – wow, what a transition. Okay. A young prince became famous for a scary story he started to tell. Again, what's the, what, what's the source here? He sounds like a rapist. But he did not finish. His name was Mamilius and he was probably nine or ten years old. What? Mm. William Shakespeare told about him in The Winter's Tale. Okay. It was on a dark winter's night that his mother, the queen, asked him for a story. A sad tale's best for winter, he said. I have one of sprites and goblins. Do your best to frighten me with your sprites, she said. You're powerful at it. The, this mother and son have a weird relationship. She's raising a rapist. <laughs> You're so good at stuff. He's nine. <laughs> I shall tell it softly, he said. Yon crickets shall not hear it. You gotta speak up. You gotta speak up. Put some bass in your voice. And he began. There was a man who dwelt by a churchyard, but that was as far as he got. For at that moment, the king came in and arrested the queen and took her away. And soon after that, Mamilius died. What are you talking about? <laughs> this, I can't believe. I, now I understand why I did skip this forward as a kid because this would unlock so many questions for me. I mean, I like that he gave the female character a line, but I feel like we could have <laughs> cut that and then added some more details about why the mom was being arrested. Oh, God. Um, no one knows how he would have finished his story. If you started as he did, what would you tell? Most scary stories are, of course, meant to be told. They are more scary that way. But how you tell them is important. As Mamilius knew, the best way is to speak softly so that your listeners lean forward to catch your words and to speak slowly so that your voice sounds scary. This is ASMR. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and to speak with lots of saliva in your mouth to turn on the listeners. <laughs> and the best time to tell these stories is at night, in the dark and the gloom. It is easy for someone listening to imagine all sorts of strange and scary things. I remember seeing the word mamillus and I think just fast forwarding to the <laughs> actual scary stories. But um, yeah, so this book... It it just reminds me of like March or November mm -hmm. in elementary school when you just have time to entertain yourself. Yeah. Um, 
Which is a good vibe. It is a good vibe. And I hope that's whether I mean, it probably won't be March and November when you're listening, but let's let's open probably up the not. March and November in our hearts. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um so the way we're gonna do it, I guess I don't have to tell you. So we're gonna read a scary story each yeah. episode, and then um we're gonna talk about it. And then we're also gonna do an urban legend, I think, in a second episode. Yeah. We're gonna do these in two halves. Yeah. Just so in case you're confused about what the structure is of this. There's going to be episodes. There's going to be episodes in which we talk about these stories. There's going to be episodes we talk about urban legends, Reddit scary things. I guess that's called a creepy pasta, right? A creepy pasta. Yeah, um, or just things that you let us know about that maybe we don't know, like folklore from your hometown, or just something spooky that happened to you. Yeah, or like a scary story from your town where it's mm. like, oh, this is the house where this happened. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Because I love us. Like. People do true crime so much better than we can, but yeah. I think I think like little scary things that you don't know who to tell. I, yeah, I think the uh, barrier for entry is that these are unverifiable stories that people <laughs> did tell. So these are so it's all about the oral tradition. <laughs> oh my god, that's fine. This is story core. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. So Anna, you've picked the first. I picked the first story that like. I also think there was like uh, a bunch of stories that have like handsome romance mm. stuff, like. Uh, sad couples and um, and also like cold soil and farms. So this one I feel like is a good uh, exemplifier to uh, get grooving on. Um, this is from the first book. It's on page 25 and it's called Cold as Clay. Oh, I love this one. Okay. A farmer had a daughter for whom he cared more than anything on earth. She fell in love with a farmhand named Jim. Mm. Uh, instantly, he's hot. Mm-hmm. Um but the farmer did not think Jim was it good enough for his daughter. To keep them apart, he sent her to live with her uncle on the other side of the country. I'm worried for this daughter. Yikes. I hate when there's stuff that's like a farm, like a father cared about his. Oh, well, Lady Bird is licking my uh, <laughs> inside of my mouth and the mic. Lady Bird's really feeling this story already. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm always, I always, the, the trope of like a father who like no man is good enough for her and like sends her away. It always creeps me out. It just sucks. Yeah. It fully sucks. I don't like her uncle either. I don't know why he lives. Oh, and the other side of the county. Oh, county. I was, was going like, to say what country. country? What's yeah. going on? Um, soon. Oh, should I say what the illustration is? Maybe, maybe. Well, sure. Wait. Yeah. Or we can do the end. We'll do it at the end. Yeah. Yeah. We're very good. Um, <laughs> soon after she left, Jim got sick and he wasted away and died. Everyone said he died of a broken heart. Sounds like fentanyl. The (laughs) farmer felt so guilty about Jim's death, he could not tell his daughter what had happened. This is just like a museum of unhealthy emotional patterns. I know. Imagine being seven and reading this. I was. It's psychotic. Yeah. It's like, well, I guess this is what I can expect from the world. (laughs) Um, uh, The farmer felt so guilty about Jim's death, he could not tell his daughter what happened, she continued to think about Jim and the life they might have had together. Oh, that sucks. Uh, one night, many weeks later, there was a knock on her uncle's door. When the girl opened the door, Jim was standing there. Your father asked me to get you, he said. I came on his best horse. This sucks. Whoa. Is there anything wrong, she asked. Is that your first thing you say? Like, yeah. That I, I have questions about her order of operations here. It just feels like she's getting murdered at every turn, and I worry. Mm-hmm. Um, What's an adjective we can use to describe her based on what we know about her so far? Uh, uh, helpless? Yeah, yeah. What do you think? I would say that. I would say that, unfortunately. If I was going to have a little fun with it, I would say maybe um, kind of kind of sassy, you know? Sassy? Yeah. That's Cause good. Because, like, 
Because, like, you haven't seen your boyfriend in a long time. He shows up on the other side of the county with, like, your father's best horse. And the, your first thought is, like, is there something wrong? Sorry, what's going – although, I don't know. I guess – yeah, because they, were, they weren't on speaking terms. Oh, maybe she's worried about her father. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. It's kind of it's kind of reverse Beauty and the Beast, right? Like, your father's ill, come get it. Well, yeah. no, never mind. That doesn't make any sense. I don't like that it was the – I don't like that they rank their horses. I feel like every horse is amazing. <laughs> Imagine being the third best horse. Sucks. Um, was just sitting at home like, did you fucking see that? Like, that was psychotic. <laughs> um, is there anything wrong? She asked. I don't know, he said. She packed a few things and they left. She rode behind him, clinging to his waist. I remember reading that and being like, that's hot. <laughs> Men's waists were huge for me when I was nine. Mm-hmm. No, I get that. Because, like, they shouldn't have them because waist is girl part of body. Right. And also it's, like, to have your arms around a waist entire – it's the most it's the most body contact you can get yeah. outside of a, you know, bedroom situation. Yeah. Like, I feel like people who are – who, like, kiss for the first time on their wedding day could ride a, a, the same horse. <laughs> like, this would be okay. Yeah, for sure. Um, she uh, Soon he complained of a headache. It aches something terrible, he told her. She put her hand on his forehead. Why, you are as cold as clay, she said. The titular Ding, line. ding, ding. If you're listening at home, go to the fridge and get a baby carrot because we just said the title of the story. <laughs> I hope you are not ill. Uh, and she wrapped her handkerchief around his head. They traveled so swiftly that in a few hours they reached the farm. The girl quickly dismounted and knocked on the door. Her father was startled to see her. Didn't you send for me, she asked. No, I didn't, he said. Uh-oh. She turned to Jim, but he was gone, and so was the horse. They went to the stable to look for them. The horse was there. It was covered with sweat and trembling with fear, but there was no sign of Jim. Terrified, her father told her the truth about Jim's death. Then, quickly, he went to see Jim's parents. They decided to open his grave. (gasps) The corpse was in its coffin, but around its head, they found the girl's handkerchief. End of story. I want to know a little bit more about his parents and their thought process. I know. Well, let's dig up the body. Oh, who are you? Okay, and you killed our son's word. Okay, oh. and we'll we'll dig him up. Well, she says she saw him. She saw him. Yeah, I I guess you want your handkerchief back. Is this what this is about? We'll dig up our dead son. The the you know the it's only hope like, for our lineage. It's like it's my handkerchief, so like I don't. It's like on your property, no, but it's I mean, still mine. I mean, it's fine. This is why we got a backhoe. <laughs> um, um. Yeah, and then the drawing is or the illustration is a. A coffin, not a casket. Mm -hmm. It's a coffin. It's coffin shaped of a guy sort of dressed like he works at a uh, Italian restaurant in the East Village. Yes. White tablecloths. Yep. A bow tie? Is that a bow tie? It's a little bow tie. It's like a white button down shirt. And then I guess khaki pants. And a tiny hand. Uh, A tiny, I guess it's a, um, supposed to be bones. Skeletal. Yeah. One hand is a hand. The other hand is sort of skeletal. Um, And then he's got sort of like um, Keith Richards hair. And then a handkerchief around his head that's a little, uh, little Stevie. It. I don't know why. It might be. It, it looks to me like David Byrne, <laughs> or I, I, maybe because maybe because he's like well dressed and very sweaty. I don't know if that's. I don't know I if that's guess? where I'm getting it, but I definitely do see the. I definitely do see the Rolling Stones hair. Yeah, um, and like his feet sort of disappear. There's also a thing in this book where there's a lot of like glare like the drawings yes. are sort of washed out mm-hmm. so you can see that and then there's uh roots coming up sure sure 
Um, um, it's a, I, this is probably one of the most direct illustrations, right? It's the most yeah. like this is what it is. He's got the handkerchief on his head. He's got the handkerchief on his head. He's wearing a bow tie, which does feel like sort of a um, willfully obtuse thing to do because he's a farmhand. <laughs> yeah, I guess maybe he was buried to look as nice as, as possible. gay as possible. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a, it was an old farmer tradition to, yeah. well, well he's dead, now. dead. Time to game up. Oh, make him look gay. <laughs> um, ch- I have a question. Yeah. I, I don't know if you, I don't know if, were you, were you a horse person as a kid? I was a horse person as a kid. My mom rode in college, so our basement wow. had all of her ribbons in it. Oh my God. So then I'm, I might be asking the right person. Okay. I, I as soon as you read this line, I was like, I, I went back to childhood and was like, oh, I had this question. Horses sweat? Yes. Wow. They do. That's weird. Yeah. Um, horses sweat. I could be wrong, but I do remember horses sweating. I would like ride horses four days a year at a summer camp and um, they were all like retired police horses. So they were all like 30 years old. <laughs> but <laughs> oh one of the God. things we'd have to do is like brush off the dried sweat from their bodies. Whoa. The dried um, sweat. Yeah, because like if they wear the um, saddle pad and the saddle, and then they right. carry like a, a fat Long Island kid around for an hour. Um, Nothing gets your sweat going like carrying a fat Long Island. Those kid. poor animals have served their communities for years, and now they have to like carry around asthmatic half Jewish kids. They must feel like that's hell. <laughs> they must feel like, well, this oh, is yeah. what I get. You know, they're in hell, right? Um, uh, <laughs> but horses um, sweat and they tremble. That makes me. That that is maybe the most troubling part about like there are so many things about horses that they have human teeth, they have they sweat like human beings, but they can't throw up. Did you know that? What am I making that up? <laughs> I feel like I feel like I've heard that horses. Why do can't you know that? I okay. I and truly, I could be completely wrong. When I was a camp counselor, there was I was like doing a dumb scene for kids and I was playing a centaur and as the centaur I threw up and a, a like a self-described horse girl who was a camper stood up and was like, horses can't throw up. Were you like, I'm a centaur, you're going home? <laughs> well, and I don't know why that from a child shouting that at me at a theater camp, I have now thought that's for sure correct. But it I think that checks right. out. Because they're did you Alex is Alec, nodding at us. Alex says it's true. Wow, it's, I mean, I feel like I guess is that why their poop is so bad? <laughs> He's googling it. <laughs> what did you type in? It's funny because that question implies that if you can throw up, your poop is good. <laughs> Alex has googled why is horse poop so bad. <laughs> Oh my god! Oh man! We should all be moving to Iowa and like uh, doing work. Des Moines. For, I don't know. For we should move to Des Moines. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. Well, that I mean, this is helpful to know because I know horses will come up again, as you will soon discover. There are a lot of horse centric scary stories. A lot in of horse centric scary books. stories. Sometimes there's a truck. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's sort of a lot of the stories take place in the liminal space between like 1930 and 1970. <laughs> like it's both years at the same time, but then also like the 1700s. What do you think is the scariest part of this story? The scariest part is uh, the first thing I thought of is like how much she wants to be with him, but then she can't. And like all the layers between like, oh, my dad doesn't want me to and your dad, um, like how much the corpse thinks like right. we're dating. 
That's because this is kind of a version. This is like a version of the vanishing hitchhiker story in a way. Yeah. You know, um, it, although it's nice because it's it's sort of a role reversal. Typically, the vanishing mm-hmm. hitchhiker is a woman. Yeah. And it's like a guy picking her up. Because um, she's a concept, so it's easier. <laughs> I like that Jim is sort of the sex object. In a this graceful story. concept. Yeah. 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 I, I, it's nice. It's nice to, you know, put a tally in, in our side, you know. Um, but – but like with this vanishing hitchhiker thing, I think the, the scariest part about this, like what makes it more scary than your average vanishing hitchhiker is exactly that, Anna, where it's like someone you love died and then not their ghost, but like their body is like still we must date. Yeah. Like that's a very scary thing. Yeah. This book deals a lot with like the wants of the dead and the dangers of like dying with unfinished business. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, yeah, it just – that he's still sort of together enough that you would just look at him and think, oh, he's sick. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that's I, like he must have just died for this to have happened too. I guess so. Yeah. Who? So so famously, there is a uh, Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark movie coming out this yes, summer. That's true. Um, they We're not affiliated. This isn't a plug for them or anything. Yeah. Um, but uh, – what would you say – who would you say you would cast as Jim in this – Oh, my God. In the film version of this? I love this question. Um, I guess – who's Baby Driver? And Ansel Elgort? Yeah. That, I Maybe can't Ansel, believe No, he's got to be a little bit older. Um, no, I can, I can see Ansel Elgort. I mean that definitely would be like the cool, hot thing to do. Yeah. I feel like maybe like who whoever is Ryan Gosling right now who's like 25. Mm-hmm. Who plays um, – oh my gosh. I can't believe I'm – I can't believe I'm forgetting this person's name because they're very good. But in The Good Place um, the like – the like the like male lead, the the – GD? No. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, yeah. I don't know his name. Okay. Alex got Alex Rachel Bloom? <laughs> Is it Rachel, Rachel Bloom? Bloom as as Jim. <laughs> she would she fucking would be, nail that. She would nail that. Casting. That is I'm good sorry. casting. I would love that. Rachel. Um, yeah, like I Okay. Uh, okay. William Jackson, William Jackson Harper. Harper, who actually, who I've, I've like worked with on a theater thing a long time ago. He's so good and That's so very great. talented. And I think what he would do for this character is he would give it a little bit of dimension. Yeah. I like, I like kind of like a self-deprecating Jim in a way. Yeah, and like a uh, a good guy where it's like there's no reason. Like he's good at horses. Yeah. Uh, he's good at horses. He's dedicated to uh, dedicated <laughs> to a girlfriend. I thought you were gonna say he's dead. <laughs> We love that. Dead, icated. Oh my That's God. my. Be- I. Uh, this is a total non sequitur, but um, do it on Amazon Prime. I was scrolling through scary movies, and there was a title of one that I was like, I can't believe none of us thought of this title for a scary movie, and it's called My Boo, <laughs> and it's like it's like a oh, it's like sorry, this. This is a movie. This is a movie called My Boo, okay. and it's about like a girl whose boyfriend dies and, when is it and from? he's a ghost. I think it's recent. I think it's like a B movie. I honestly would date a ghost. I think it's like similar to why women like dating men who are in prison. Where uh-huh. it's like they're a concept. Yeah, like your power is limited. Yeah. I inherently <laughs> am more capable than you are. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I can come visit you at your grave or mm-hmm. or behind a plate of glass. Yeah. Yeah. Um yeah, the 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 tro- the like trope of hot ghost who you date. I think there's yeah. something appealing about that. Who would you cast as the uh girl? Hmm. 
That's such a dimensional character. Yeah. I mean, I'd want it to be, I'd want it to be someone really, I mean, honestly, maybe Rachel Bloom, you know? Yeah. Very talented, very, bring, bring some dimension to this Stable. character. Um, if it wasn't her, I would say maybe if I was going in a different direction, um, who's kind of a corn fed looking, like a sort of Midwest actress that you can think of. Oh, um, who's the woman, Britt Marling from the OA? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay. Yeah. That's perfect yeah. casting. That's perfect um, casting. Her or the girl from Miracle Workers, mm-hmm. the main girl. Yeah. It's like. Lucky heroine. I think that's great. I have to. I I know who that is. I have not watched the OA. I have to watch it. Um, I actually do need for you to watch it because uh, I need to talk about it for seven hours. <laughs> this um, is this is you how you sneakily just turn this podcast. Into Geraldine Viswanathan. Oh, Viswanathan. wow, that's a great name too. She's so beautiful. Well, look at her. She's like wow. Hi, I I have gorgeous farm face, but also like yep. I'm not here to mess around. Right, right. She's the sort of person who'd be like, is there something wrong? Yeah. You is know? something wrong? Yeah. I'm so sorry. I'm having a blast with my uncle. Like, we actually get along. <laughs> my uncle runs a candy factory. My uncle is like a David Sedaris type. We're having a blast. <laughs> um. Yeah, cast David Sedaris as the uncle. That'd be great. Oh, my God. Lady Bird is barking in her sleep. Oh. Well, you know what that means. It's time it's to time end to the episode. It's time to say goodbye. Um, this is so fun. This is really good. I'm having a good time. Me too. I hope you are too, everybody. I, um, hope there's, I think there's an audience for this. We'll find out. Yeah. You know, I guess if you like it, tell seven friends and really follow up. Yeah. And make sure they listen to it. Um, and yeah, let us know if you guys have any requests for which story you'd want us to cover. I mean, there, there are a finite amount of stories. So we're there gonna is get a finite to, amount of but stories. But if you want to get to one sooner rather than later. Let us know. Let us know. Or if you have like a, um, a local legend or an urban legend or whatever sort of spooky thing you want us to cover that we might not know about, let us know and yeah. we'll, we'll chat about it. We'll put in the show notes uh, email address and social yeah. handles. Um, also, if you've seen my boo, please do let boo. us know and give us a full breakdown. Please write in. Yeah. Uh, give us an imdb.com style review, um, <laughs> which are always 7 out of 10. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, uh, we're going to do a second half that is an urban legend. Yeah, so. later this week. So tune in for that, friends. Tune in for that, friends. Um, I'm Andrew Farmer. I'm Anna Dresden. And this has been Scary Stories, Stories to, to Tell on the, the pod. pod. Forever Dog. This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by Dog. Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. For more original podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcasts.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Forever Dog Team and liking our page on Facebook.